The Sportzilla Show starts now. I am Lance Catamaran. I'm Clint Bobsky. Clint, of course, short for Cameron, which is what my father told me. And my father also told me to live your life to the fullest. Always get an oil change. Beware of time travel and buy shirts. How did we give this guy airtime? What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. I'll have each and every one of you know that I was a desk anchor in Utica, New York, for their local broadcast news for six weeks, six whole weeks, 36 days. And now I'm here, these amateurs. Get your- you don't get the show. Together. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. We get it. We get it. No, we don't get it. No, we don't get it. I get it. You know what I get? Today is National Cat Day, Scoop. Meow. The raindrops are very happy about that. As you know, we have three rain kitties. Uh, my oldest spends a lot of time with the cats. She's the cat lady of the family. She'll have 75 of them probably by the time she's 30. She's got a few years, but it's going to happen. Also, did you know, it is the 77th birthday of the incomparable, the goat, the greatest of all time, Bob Ross. That guy is pretty cool, you know. I mean, we lost him some years ago. It's been a while. He passed a while ago, but he would be 77 today. Didn't he used to be like on public television all the time, the painting show? I I had a girlfriend who was in love with the guy. Scoop. He's still on PBS, and I watch it, my friend. And he's he's passed on. This is like uh, years later. He's still on TV. It's amazing to watch the guy paint. He's so zen and tranquil and soothing. Well, I, don't, I don't watch anything on TV except the news and sports at the bar. So, I, you know, Bob Ross, I know who he is. Hey, cool. He's doing a pretty picture. All right. Can I have another beer, please? So there's no little happy trees on Scoops TV. I used to watch him. I'm not he even. He paint gonna... some beer bottles, you know, maybe a nice buried acorn or something. Listen, man, if you just want to chill out with some Doritos or a pizza, yeah, not not Doritos. Pizza, yeah. Watch Bob Ross. Have a beer. Whatever you got to do. It's fantastic. That ain't happening. Sorry. Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. 82, man. He tied Sam Sneed. 82 wins all time, and that is getting buried with everything else going on in sports. And there is a ton of it. We're going to try to cover what caught our attention over the next 60 minutes. Lucas Favalli, the voice of the Syracuse Crunch, on the phone at 6.30 on the, or, or excuse me, at 3.30 on the Burdick Toyota guest line. So we'll talk to him. LeBron James is bald. As we're going to, uh, yeah, how embarrassing is that? He's playing the game and the hair starts coming out. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna bounce the ball, all basketball in this opening segment of the Sportszilla Show. So Anthony Davis was like, "Yo," because he's got the extra wide headband. He's gone back to the headband. He is, he just has to shave his head. That's what Michael Jordan did. That's what ball dudes do. Kareem, man, you got to be fine with it. You got to be good with Remember it. Remember, Kareem had that big head of hair back in the day years ago, and then you know he went bald, and you know Kareem could make it. He rocked it. You know that I love Derek Jeter, don't you, John? <laughs> Even Derek Jeter, now that he owns the Marlins, he's going bald and he shaves his head a little bit. Kobe. I, Kobe. Kobe now is, is shaves his head. You know, uh, with the receding hairline, I cannot rock the bald head. I've done it. I had a mohawk once, if you can believe that. But I have these big satellite dish ears. Can't tell they're covered with your cans. And, and it, it's like, dude, like if, if there's a strong wind, I'm airborne. It's bad. It's ugly. I look ridiculous, like Shrek. Hello. <laughs> I look ridiculous regardless. No, your ears don't stick out like that. Mine stick out, and, like, I just look dumb. Nah. 
Nah. At least I have something for her to hang on to. This medium of radio, at least right now as it stands in the Sportzilla show, we are some sexy-looking guys. Yes, we are. No, we got faces for radio. But basketball. Sexy, and I know it. Basketball, man, big news because Syracuse can't recruit. They do pretty well within the top 100. You want to – there's very few elite recruits. How many of them actually turn out to be what they're hyped up to be? But a pretty solid addition. Donna DeToto wrote about it. It's out there everywhere, though, if you're an SU basketball fan, as they have Carlton tonight. Kaderi oh, Richmond. they're playing the kid from Fresh Prince. Yeah, he was a crappy basketball. But remember how mad he got at Will because Will Will was a ball hog though. Will it's not was much worse. of a matchup, you know. It's one he's one guy. Will Will was like a gonna ball the, hog. He's going to get the Fresh Prince baby to go out there with him. He was he was Kobe man. He was like he was like Kobe on steroids. He was such a ball hog every time. He didn't even pass the ball. So he's Steph Curry. Yeah, something like that. Now it's a new age version. Steph has the ball a bit. But Kadari Richmond is a 6'5 wing from Brewster Academy, verbally committed to play basketball at Syracuse University. Uh, they have confirmed this. Richmond did confirm this. Uh, his commitment is now going to happen. He texted in. He said it's it's uh, Richardson. Did I what did I say? Richmond. Richmond. Kadari Richmond. Yeah. Okay. You put it wrong on the stat sheet then. Oh, did I on the official copy of of the uh, the press release or the article from Donna Detota? I'm reading it right off of there because I don't trust myself. Did I write Richardson on there? Yep. On that? Good thing I'm not looking at that, and I'm looking at this. This is what matters. Kadari Richmond, 6'5". A pretty good player. Uh, also, uh, he's the second player of the class of 2020 committed to Syracuse. Woody Newton, 6'8", forward from Mount Zion Prep, is another one. He committed last May. But Richmond, Richmond, glue guy, I got it. is a four-star recruit uh, amongst the uh, Others. That's a good pickup. Yeah. You know, I, I guess came to town with his mom for the Damon game and, you know, obviously impressed with what they see. That's quite the experience. The problem is, is that a lot of other schools have a pretty awesome experience as well that we have to compete with here when we want to recruit in Syracuse. But boy, it's sec- I, I think there's no environment like what the Dome. The dome, just the dome. Now I got you're still getting used to that. Did you know that Kawhi Leonard is filed a trademark for what it do, baby? And his laugh, uh, not his laugh. I made that part up, but he did file a trademark for what it do, baby. I didn't know that. He's he's very meme worthy lately. If you're on social media, people have been memeing like crazy. Darius Basley, who committed to Syracuse, then backed out, then went to the G League. Now he's in the NBA. He actually is with, uh, I think he's with Oklahoma City, if I remember. But shaking your head? I have no idea. Do a Google on that for me while we're talking. Okay. Would, would you? Glue guy's going to hook me up with that information. Maybe Kawhi can loan LeBron some of his do. What it do, baby? He needs a little hair, maybe, you know. Darius Bas- plugs. Darius Basley, you know how they have players that get the mic before the game, first home game to kick off and hype the crowd? Darius ba- Basley actually imitated Kawhi's laugh to the crowd. I think it's Oklahoma City Thunder. That's correct. Am I correct? Yeah. Yep. I loved the celebration in Toronto when they were all there, all the players on the stage, and he did the laugh at the end of his little <laughs> speech, and everybody just <laughs> fell out. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Well, and, even in the Terminator trailer, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Absolutely. right. I forgot about that. That was great. It's it's a thing that like his laugh is just it's it's crossed over into the pop culture realm. But I bring that up because it applies to the news announced today. Glue guy, last minute before we got on the air on the Sportzilla show here on ESPN Radio, ninety-seven point seven and one hundred point one. He handed me 
Dan Murphy on the ESPN staff the breaking news that's now everywhere. NCAA has voted to allow athletes to profit from their likeness. Now, Matt, how does that apply to video games, which has been on hold for a while? Well, yeah, it's been on hold a while. I think it's been since 2014 that they haven't done a video game because I don't think they wanted to put these guys, they couldn't put these guys into video games because they weren't able to profit off of it. Right, and and, and I guess... Eventually, that could come back. And eligibility and all that nonsense Wait. isn't an issue. Man, that is a revenue stream. Ooh. If they could fairly share that with these players, that it that could be a lot of money, man. Yep. It won't be implemented until January of 2021. So guys currently playing, it doesn't really affect them that much. But this is a big deal. This is a really big deal, in my opinion. I mean, well, like case in point. Some players that could go straight from high school to the pros, you know, now have maybe at least one more thing to encourage them to play in college because maybe they can make a little money once they get it all figured out. I mean, they're just starting down this road. And we've been talking about going down this road, it seems like, I don't know, 25, 30 years or something. Yeah, absolutely. And as salaries soar, so do more college football coaches with personal access on the private planes. A lot of coaches are taking plane rides, luxury plane rides. They're making all this money. It applies to all college sports, but if they're doing things like that, why can't a kid cash in, especially if he's going to be used in a video game? But there's other ways. As we've heard Bayheim make his remarks not too long ago, if a kid on my team wants to go out and somebody's going to pay him a few extra bucks, I suppose everybody's going to want a little little chip off of that. Yeah, didn't Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel at Ohio State get a use of a plane? And sometimes some of these coaches can like even use some of those allotted flights that they have in their contract for a family vacation. And it's I guess it's a, a pretty attractive perk for a lot of coaches. Yes, and I'll add to that. 15 college coaches have personal access to private jets written into their contracts. Great find on the USA Today Blue guy brought it to our attention. Yeah, I mean, as a college athlete, like you got to fill out an NCAA form, for example, if you want to get a meal. A booster wants to buy you lunch. And it's not, I'm not talking about a five star restaurant. I mean, you could go to a drive through at a fast food place if an alumni or a booster or something like that, somebody pays for it and you don't have that form filled out, you, you can't play. I mean, it's a violation. Kind of ridiculous if you think about it. Seems ticky tack in it lieu does. of. You know, these guys are these coaches are getting cars and stuff like that. They're not even just getting planes, you know, and the kids don't they hardly get anything. You know, it's good. They get some meal money now and there's some sort of like per diem they can get. Yes, that is a step in the right direction. Got to make a few more steps. I guess the the next question is, are we going to eventually get back to the point where the one and done rule is gone? Because if you're 18, you're an adult, and all the other things that that applies to, well, if you want to go get a job, which is basically what you're doing, getting paid for your talents and abilities in really no other profession, is this an issue? Nope, nope, you can't get a job. you got to wait a year to go make some money, even though you're the very best at what you do right now, and that option is there for you. I don't know. It seems like the American ideal is to maximize your opportunities, and why are you... Uh, shrinking those opportunities for athletes. If, if, if an athlete can do that, and in college, why can't they do that? In college football, coaches can go wherever they want to go, whenever they want to go after recruiting kids 
and you know, telling these kids, I'm going to be here for you, and then they're gone, and nothing for the kid. They can back out of their contracts. You still got to wait a year before you can transfer. I mean, some of this stuff, it's just a... It's a common sense it's, thing. It's a, a set of one-way rules. It's us. It's it's basically putting them in a It's the money. Whoever controls the money, I, I think that's really what it about. It always boils down to that, and it's a tangled web to get there. Oh, and that March Madness makes a lot of money, baby. But it has something to do with it. But in football, I was going to ask, I believe you still have to be a junior before you're eligible for the— got to play three years in college. Is that still the rule? I, I believe so, yeah. I believe it is. And if I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody can let us know at ESPN Sports Solo, but— What's why is there a disparity in how long you have to stay in a program, whether it's football or depending on whether or not it's basketball? I just they've just got to start at the top. They got to go through a lot of this stuff, and it's time to chase some new cheese. You know what I mean? You've been looking in the same spot for your cheese. If you're a little mousy, well, it's time to chase the cheese elsewhere. Don't well, you think? I think physically, football is a lot different than basketball. A lot of these high school guys they can compete in the NBA level, whereas from college to to pros, it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of growth and time in the weight room that really benefits you on a football field. You need those few years, couple years to grow your body, I guess, in a more natural sense. You're not going to get, you're going to pack on 40 pounds of muscle overnight and in a year and in a healthy way. Certainly, that's not going to affect you long term. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's a great point and counter argument for it. Matt also brought to our team. Matt worked hard on this uh, basketball. So that's his thing. Matt's, Matt's football. And basketball, much, yeah. those are the two things. Everything else, he's like, you guys are on your own. But the three of us collectively cobbled this together. But KD, Kyrie, and the Nets, and some issues. Just we're gonna have the glue guy lay out the groundwork on this. Well, uh, Jackie McMullen from ESPN, she wrote an article about this today and said that the Nets are having um, concerns about Kyrie Irving and his mood swings. And there's times where it just happens out of nowhere. And no one knows why or what spurred it on. So the the execs are asking Kevin Durant, maybe talk to him. And Kevin Durant is saying, well, he's an artist. I let him do what he's going to do. People have mental health issues. Do, do you wonder if maybe he has, he's bipolar or something like that? Maybe it's not diagnosed. Maybe he's too proud to ask for help, get medicated. It's something, and you, you hear programs in all sports and all levels where it's something in the current day and age that was never addressed before, but maybe it can be addressed now. Maybe it's not. I mean, I don't know if Kevin Durant, with as you stated, Matt, his own issues, is the guy to help him along. Because as, as I said to you guys before we got on the air scoop, especially, he's the OBJ of the NBA. He really is right now. There's always a little something. Well, Matt, didn't you say there was a team photo and well, yeah, Kyrie I, wanted to wear a hat and they didn't want him to wear a hat and he said, I'm wearing the hat. Yeah, he, they asked him to take the hat off and he said no. Did they not do any research before they signed him? Did they not go, you know, talk to the Celtics or the Cavs and go, why didn't he work out with you guys? Well, he tried to lead the Cavaliers when LeBron was out or down or resting and couldn't do it. And I don't know why everybody in the world thinks he's a guy that's going to lead your team to a championship. I kind of snickered in this Jackie McMullen article when she talked about how Irving had just led the Cleveland Cavaliers to their first NBA championship when, you know, we had this whole meeting on the boat with Durant and Irving and Jordan. You know, he led them. He did okay, but he could never lead that team well, he on his even, own. He couldn't even lead the Celtics. Well, there when, you go. When the Celtics had their best success 
in the playoffs, he was on the bench injured. Man. And, and I'm going to back it up because same article that you're referencing to your exact point, some of the quotes that she followed that up with were kind of disturbing. They would bother me a little bit if I'm the Nets. Kyrie and I didn't have the smoothest start, according to Durant. He was coming off a championship, a long season. He was a, a little in and out of it in Rio. He was tired, not quite committed like the rest of us early on. I felt that, and I pushed back on him, not in a personal way, but as a, as teammates do. And that was the start of our little relationship. And here we are a couple years later. For him to allow me to do that, for him to take it in the right spirit, and for us to be able to talk through it, that only solidified our respect. But yeah, it, does, it, it doesn't change the fact that if he's moody on a day-to-day basis, it's going to create problems. Maybe K, KD understands that because they've bonded, but the rest of the team, Spencer Dinwiddie and everybody else on that team is going to be like, what's going on here, man? Why is it like this? What's, what can we do to help? we got to get on the same page or it's dysfunctional basketball team. KD can talk to him about basketball, playing the game of basketball, stuff they need to do on the court. Sure. KD can't talk to Kyrie about wearing a hat or not wearing a hat in a team photo. You know who's got to do that? The team. The coach. The people who run the team, the people who work for the team. If somebody here at our company comes to us and say, you know, uh, we don't like that hoodie that Rain Man wears to work. (laughs) So, Scoop, will, will you go talk to him and tell him not to wear that hoodie anymore? That's so much... Look, we're not millionaires, but it's even laughable in that circumstance. I don't know if he's serious or not right now. He doesn't like your green hoodie. Can't stand my hoodie. We got to take our break, don't we? We're up against it. I think you got a little uh, cat sauce on there, maybe. Oh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. It was We gave the cats a special treat this morning because it's National Cat Day. Major League Baseball, because the World Series continues tonight. As you know, Houston has a chance to win it all. And Robot Umpires, that's next. The SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Saturday, Seth Goldberg and Brent Axe get you ready for the SU Boston College game. Live from Shaughnessy's in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. They're going to share with you all the experts who weighed in here on ESPN Syracuse during the week, including head coach Dino Babers. Scoop, World Series tonight, possibly a new champion if Houston wins. I'm hoping the Nets win, obviously. I do not believe Julia Rose, Lauren Sumner, and Kayla Lauren are going to be in attendance this evening. Actually, you. I can verify that. Those, Unfortunately. The three ladies who flashed wearing yellow have been banned. I think we discussed this briefly yesterday. Major League Baseball did send them a letter each individually and told them they are no longer allowed to go to major league games. I gotta, I, I think there's a lot of dudes out there like you come over and watch the game with us. I mean, bring it on, wear a shirt, right? Obviously. I mean, that's just, it was funny. I mean, I know it was funny. I mean, you don't want your kids to see that, I suppose, but it was kind of funny. Was it kind of funny? You know, I watched the game and I missed it in live time. It was only after that it spread on social media that I, there's, saw the doink doink, you know, the little. There's a whole thread, uh, even on Reddit, about it. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, so many people are all over this. Oh, place. those headlights are blinding Garrett Cole. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things where you might have seen it before, but you just want to see it again next time and every time because it's just. Play a little ring toss. The nature of the beast. So let's just real quick give a synopsis on the game. 
because there's a big debate and it's, well, the, the chants are getting louder. The calling for it is getting louder. Scoop, who's starting tonight, first of all? Uh, I don't have it. It's Strasburg and, and, and Verlander. And Verlander. Yeah. Yeah, and Verlander's 0-5 in the World Series. Yeah, and Max Scherzer's clearly hurt because he already skipped the start. And I don't even know if he's going to start Game 7. I guess we have to wait and find out. It depends on the outcome of tonight's game. If, if they get there. I, I hope they do. I hope it's a seven-game series. You hear about this guy who bet $4 million bucks on the Astros to win it all and, like, these casinos are freaking out that they may lose an insane amount of money. And the, and the odds are what? I don't. I, I don't. I haven't seen the odds, but he's bet four million dollars. Regardless, it, on the Astros winning it all, even if it's straight. Let's just say he has a furniture mogul. He owns some furniture stores in Houston. Um, and if the Astros win, <laughs> he's going to take some of the money. And give his customers three thousand dollar refunds. Well, that's a nice guy right there. You can yeah, buy. I think he did it before the season, you so can, the payout was going to be like astronomical. You can buy a couch from him, and maybe he'll end up paying you for it. Who knows? But it's getting louder and louder. People are calling for it. Here's a quote: "Hot topic, big stage to be talking about hot topics. I guess it's always possible. I think it's a little naive to think that simply letting a computer generate a strike or a ball." Well, it's incredibly naive to think that there's not going to be pitfalls in that scenario as well. That's A.J. Hinch, the manager of the Astros. The idea being we could have robot umpires or computer-generated umpires that call balls and strikes as opposed to these fat cat bloated jerks who each have a different strike zone. It is the most ridiculous thing. Like uh, Lance who got barked at. Come on, Lance. It's World Series. Wake up. Washington's manager Dave Martinez yelling at the umpire about balls and strikes. It's the box on the TV. That seems to be the issue. And the strike zone, according to them, it's the same whether it's Jose Altuve, who's five foot six, or Aaron Judge, who's six foot seven. And it's three dimensional. Even though that plate is 17 inches wide, it's three dimensional because of the way a curveball might go or a slider. It might catch part of the plate and then break down. And their strike zone, they're claiming is better than any computer-generated model because they're right there. So you can bribe umpires? That's the but argument. But can you hack the computer-generated ones? Apparently. That's a great thought. You know, I, I also do think that the computer-generated strike zones and everything that we see can be misleading. Sometimes they don't catch some of that third dimension, the, the, the rising, you know, the curving in and out of the strike zone, catching the edge of the plate. But... Look, it's obvious these guys all have their individual strike zones. Like, it's it's a part of their identity. I call balls and strikes this way, which is just ludicrous. It's supposed to be... Stop it. Yeah, it's supposed to be uniform, and that's a load of crap. We want it to be consistent. Whatever the, the calls should be identical, no matter who's behind the plate, no matter what team or what player, there's a strike zone, call balls and strikes the right way. If it's off the plate, it's off the plate, period. I don't care. Nonsense. Let's improve it. Do better. You've got to do better because technology, whether you go with it or not to call the balls and strikes, simple fact of the matter, it is proving you to be bad at your job. So if that's the case, when the evidence is in front of you, cognitive dissonance will not help you. Acknowledge the fact that you got to get better. Tighten it up. Tighten it up because my guys are savages in the box, minus the word I can't say on the radio. Cognitive Pretty- dissonance. 
How did I do? He just dropped that on us. I did. Man. I've been. Holding I have up. no I, idea what that I, even I, means. I, I'm going to have to go to Wikipedia. Or Basically, something to choosing that out. choosing to not believe the facts that are presented to you right in front of your face. I've been holding on to that gem all day. But I've got another gem for you, Lucas Favalli. We're going to talk Syracuse Crunch hockey. We will do that next. He is the voice of the Syracuse Crunch. He, of course, hosts the weekly show right here on this radio station. Cognitive dissonance. Isn't that a heavy metal band? Last, no. Last time. <laughs> last cast. Hardcore band. Scott Don't they Wedgwood. play at the Lost Horizon? He's just going to keep doing this to me. Scott Wedgwood was his last guest. Lucas Favalli. Cognitive dissonance in concert at the Lost Horizon. Lucas Favalli's next on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Was in the immortal words of Wayne and Garth, I believe they said game on. They're playing street hockey. I believe it was Chance the Rapper who said, let's do that hockey. So let's do that with the voice of the Syracuse Crunch we have Lucas Favalli online. First of all, we're grateful for the time. Now, before we talk about the past couple of games and most, you know, most recent memory with the Crunch and what they've done on the ice in finally getting that winning record of 3-2-2, two, and two, I want to step back and ask about the home opener, or I'm sorry, the Pink the Rink game and just what that felt like. The vibe in the building, the perspective of the players, the coaches, and everybody within the organization because that's something far bigger than hockey, and and I'd love to hear some of the takeaways that you have, Lucas. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, and and it is always neat to have the pink in the rink, and uh, the, you know all the guys always get on board with it. Uh, it's it's great to you know we're always partnered with Upstate University Hospital, Upstate Cancer Center, and and the players you know pregame they get to tape their sticks with pink uh, tape, and and uh, during the game. Uh, there was a player or two. I know Jamel Smith was out there, and, and uh, he stuck with the pink tape. At least he had a, a stripe on his sock. So it, it's something, it's just, you know, it's noticeable throughout the course of the night, and it, it means a lot to all of these guys. I mean, there's connections uh, with, uh, you know, folks who've been touched by you know, breast cancer, whether it's their family, someone they know. I mean, I think everyone at this point knows someone or is, you know, related to someone who's gone through something like that. So for us to be able to give back it away, uh, whether it's through the you know the charity donations with our mystery pucks that night or whatever it might be to uh, you know to raise some funds for uh, that research, it, it just means a lot to everyone involved, and it was a great crowd as well. So just a lot of fun from start to finish, and and uh, unfortunate you know that the result on the ice didn't turn out the way we were hoping for on Saturday, but still a great night for Pink in the Rink. Jamel Smith, couple goals and an assist in that game. Unfortunately, Rochester won 7-6 in overtime, extra time. But it carried over into Sunday afternoon where the Crunch get the 4-3 overtime win against the Marlies. Once again, putting one in, putting one in the back of the night was Jamel Smith, obviously sent down not too long ago from Tampa. But boy, has he paid dividends. Basically, the point is to use the phrase I use on occasion, he had himself a weekend and he was instrumental in both games for the crunch. He's playing very well. Comment on that and take it wherever you want to go. Yeah, he's been great for uh, the six games he has played here in Syracuse, and he had five points this past weekend. He was uh, no doubt the best player in the two games for the crunch. And, uh, you know, you look at the the players in the American Hockey League and and guys with five points. I mean, he was one of two this past week to, to do that in fewer than three games. He was dominant. Of course, he scored the overtime game-winning goal against the Toronto Marlies on Sunday. He's been a, a good presence on this team. 
uh, and, and just what he brings to the ice. I mean, yes, he can score, but he also is all over the place. He's a, a gritty player. He has some speed. He's got a lot of skill. Uh, so he's been a big addition for this group, and I think that's kind of what Tampa Bay expected him to bring to Syracuse when they signed him over the summer. And, and he is delivered on that. I mean, I know we're only a couple weeks into the season here, but so far so good for him, and uh, it's been fun to watch him, honestly. I mean, the way he goes out there and competes in every shift, uh, he has brought a lot to this group, and he's one of those veteran players. I mean, I know we've been talking about it earlier in the year here, the, the veteran presence on this team, but he's just one of those guys and uh, well, he's a big part of this team, and, and they're going to need him to be uh, as productive as he's been here in the first couple weeks of the season. Jamel Smith leading the crunch with points with seven, but right behind him, Corey Conacher with six, Chris Mueller with six, a couple of defensemen, Cal Foote, Luke Shen with six. Talk about the contributions of those gentlemen. Yeah, that, those are the players you're certainly going to rely on throughout the course of the year. Uh, I mean, Smith has been great, but Corey Conacher, we know what he can do. Uh, he's fifth all-time in franchise history in scoring, so you, you expect him to, to put up those points. And man, he had a. You look at what he did this weekend. He scored a goal Saturday against the Amherst. He probably could have about, had about five goals over the two games. He hit a couple of posts over the two games. He was robbed with what was one of the best saves you'll see uh, on Sunday against Toronto as well. So he easily could have had four or five goals. He ended up with just one. Uh, so you're getting what you expect out of those guys, uh, and, and those are you know, a lot of those guys are the veterans. Uh, when you talk about a Luke Shen, a Corey Conacher, Jamel Smith, Chris Mueller, I think what the Crunch are looking for now is to get those contributions from you know the second and third year guys who are trying to get their seasons going here, and, and some positive signs in that department this past weekend as well with Ross Colton getting his first goal, Taylor Radish getting his first goal of the year, Boris Kachuk getting his first goal of the year. So. I think once those players get going as well and, and complement what we've seen from the other the players we mentioned with the veterans like Conacher and Smith, boy, this team could be really good up and down the lineup. But I think that's kind of where the, the attention is shifted right now to get those guys, once they get rolling and now they've got their first goal, it's only a matter of time before they really get and hit their stride here this year. ESPN Radio Syracuse, and uh, we're talking crunch hockey with Lucas. And uh, compare and contrast – Saturday and Sunday. On Sunday, you got a lot of shots against Joseph Wall of the Marlies in goal. On Saturday night, not nearly so many. It was like 35 on Sunday, 21 against the Amherst on Saturday. Yet, scored a lot more goals, really kind of, I guess, percentage-wise, against the Amherst. Kind of compare and contrast those evenings, because obviously you got a lot of shots against the Marlies, a lot of opportunities not as many against the Amherst, but, man, you, you made them pay uh, when you got yeah, them, even it, though you lost the game. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think Sunday the coaching staff and the players, I think, are all in agreement. It was probably their best game of this season, and it was a game that really shouldn't have gone to overtime. They were in control most of the way with the crunch. And so that was uh, it was a complete effort. Yeah, they ended up with all those shots. They played very well defensively as well. They had one bad giveaway, which ended up in the back of the net. Outside of that, they, I mean, it was a really, really strong outing for them. And they, like I said, I mean, Corey Conacher had about three opportunities where he could have scored in that game. Joseph Wall, the goaltender for the Marlies, was the number three star in the game. He was easily Toronto's best player, and the, the crunch could have probably scored another seven or eight goals in that game as opposed to just the four that they got in over and won in overtime. Uh, so they were really strong that night. They played pretty well on Saturday as well through stretches. I mean, their first period was really strong. But after they took the two-goal lead in the third period, they didn't get a shot the rest of the way in regulation, and that's 
kind of what fueled the Amherst comeback. So I think there were positives from that game, but things definitely got stronger on Sunday and it was a much more complete game for them. And, and while you know the number of goals might not indicate that, I think they were much more pleased with the way they played on Sunday as opposed to Saturday. It obviously looks like they responded very well on Sunday because, oh, what a frustrating end of the game against Rochester. They force overtime with 13 seconds remaining and then win in overtime, very deflating, uh, but yet responded very well on Sunday and get the win and are throwing a lot more pucks at the net. I wonder if yeah. I wonder if this is a turning of the corner heading into the game against Bridgeport. I, I'll uh, let you finish. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right about that, and that's something the coaching staff has talked about as well here early in the year. The last couple of years, I mean, the schedule is very similar: seven games in October last year, seven again this year. I think last year they were a little more uh, okay with that because they had so many rookies coming in and, and they got a lot of practice time to kind of get acclimated to the game. This year we've heard them, the coaching staff talking about they just need to play games, and, and that will obviously pick up here in November. They've got 14 games coming up, including three this weekend. Uh, so I think that's going to be a big plus. Uh, but when you look at what happened from you know the home opener on uh, October 19th, they get shelled 7-3 to against the Charlotte Checkers, and then the team had to sit on that for a week. So I think they were more excited to get right back out there the next day. And, and yeah, they could have been a little deflating on Saturday when they had the overtime loss. But uh, not having to sit on that and getting right up for the next day, I think it was a big positive for this team. And I think, like I said, the fact that they are now going to really start to get into the meat of their schedule. The regular routine will start coming in here pretty soon when they got games on so many Wednesdays. It's usually a Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So once that routine hits, that's when the crunch in the last couple of years at least have started to take off. Uh, they were two and five last October, so they were ahead of schedule at this point, three, two, two, and zero oh, early in the year. But last November, they were nine, zero, oh, two, and zero. Oh. So, uh, if we can have something like that again here this year, the Crunch will be in a very good spot in the next month. You don't know if that's going to happen, but that's kind of been the trend the last two years. And with the schedule picking up, they're going to have plenty of opportunity to continue to refine and improve on their game moving forward. Yeah, this this team is is too deep and talented to drastically improve and and where they have been. You can just see it when you extrapolate it out. You're going to get these guys playing to their abilities. I got about 30 seconds left, Lucas, but I just wanted to mention the Bridgeport game because you guys are kicking off November. It's obviously November 1st from Upstate University Hospital. They're helping out promoting this. Throughout November, it's Movember. Crunch fans encouraged to grow mustaches and beards and help raise awareness for men's prostate health. Men's health overall, and a lot of the, the issues that we don't deal with and discuss uh, also, a silent auction during the November 1st game. All funds benefit the Prostate Cancer Care and Research Fund at Upstate. I got about 15 seconds. Just give us a quick comment on that. Yeah, it's, it, we're great, and it's always uh, grateful to work with Upstate and, and all that stuff. And, and I'm sure some players will be growing the mustaches and beards throughout the course of the month. And we are thrilled to be able to you know, bring that recognition and bring some awareness to that once again starting on Friday night. There you go. That's the voice of the Syracuse Crunch that you hear right here on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Thanks to Lucas Favalli. You'll be hearing him regularly on the SportsZilla Show. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. The RomanoCars.com Quad Show, News Channel 9 and ESPN Syracuse, Stephen Fonte and James Monroe giving you last-minute breakdowns of SU versus BC from the quad, 11 to noon. And don't forget the Romano Subaru pregame show Saturday with Seth Goldberg and Brent Axe also getting you ready for that game live from Shaughnessy's in the Marriott, Syracuse downtown. Okay, so 
We talk a little football here. We are now officially under 10 minutes away from the NFL trade deadline. Got my Twitter feed up. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening because I feel like it's already happened. Like the deals, the bigger deals that are going to happen have already happened. There's been a lot of rumors. I mean, Leonard Williams went to the Giants, Michael Bennett to the Cowboys, Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots, Emmanuel Sanders to the Broncos, Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. And of course, the Rams have traded Aqib Tlaib to the Dolphins. That is one move. As the glue guy said, I, I mean, come on. You got to pay Jalen Ramsey salary dump, right? So Aqib Tlaib is out. Out. Going and to he's the been Dolph- dealing with a lot of injuries, too. A buddy of mine texted me about that, and he was like, yeah, who did who did he P.O.? Who did he make angry? Getting sent? That's like uh, going to Siberia or something. That's going to purgatory if you're a fan, at least this year, because the Dolphins are a dumpster fire. They're trash. Oh, and 16. They are trash. They're look, it's looking that way. You could, you could potentially have a couple of winless teams playing in Week 14, if if you look at the NFL schedule on Monday Night Football, that is this potential. That's must-see viewing. Which team is going to get the one win for the year? As much as you want to see like two teams that are undefeated, I think you want to see that, too. I've seen a couple uh, memes going around that are saying it's either going to be played on Cartoon Network or Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> Even though the Dolphins were up 14 to nothing at one point over the Steelers last night, yeah, I'm like, they're not going to win. Yeah, there's no way. It was it was just like when Matt and I were hanging out at a hockey game on Saturday night, and and the Knicks. I was were, like, "Oh, hey, look, the Knicks are up." The Knicks were beating the Celtics, and I was like, "Come on, dude." Yeah, don't worry about it. That I was, ain't gonna last. I was watching it with hope, and then I'm like, "Reality said, I'm like, yeah, they're not gonna win." They did win though. They did win. They finally got their first win. If you're a Knicks fan, I mean, come on. I felt good about that. I'm going to enjoy. Oh, you got uh, one less than my Browns. Congratulations. Mike Vaccaro in the New York Post, sports writer, said that, listen, these Knicks are so bad and crappy and terrible that as a Knicks fan, you just kind of got to cherish <laughs> a few wins that you get every season and celebrate it. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, rumors, though, about the NFL. The Jets are open to trading running back Le'Veon Bell. And safety, Jamal Adams. And uh, Chiefs and Texans showing interest in, in Le'Veon Bell. They have seven minutes to finalize that trade as we come upon it. And uh, it's finally happened in Cincinnati. So when we're out at 55-20, uh, there'll be a trade that happens. Guaranteed. It's, yeah, this, probably. Yeah. The second we go into our last break, there'll be breaking news. Maybe it'll be on the block with Brent Axe. Yeah, Bengals have benched Andy Dalton. They probably rode that horse a little too long. Yeah. Let's let's be real. Yeah, they did. I, I You would think that, I mean, it, you just, if it's insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. You kept getting the same result. It's been a number of seasons and years now. It's time to try something else if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. The, the coach who really helped him uh, to his loftiest heights as a player was Hugh, former Browns coach, Hugh Jackson. NFL trade deadline, 4 o'clock. Our deadline to get something to happen to tell you about is uh, we have less than a minute now to figure that out. As I refresh the page. Ian Ian Rappaport says that the Cowboys and Jets don't have a deal for Jamal Adams and Broncos cornerback uh, Chris Harris has not been dealt either. Yeah, there's just nothing going on. Okay, in less than 30 seconds, somebody in the NFL will make some kind of a trade because they're just not going to give us a chance to get anything on the air. Nothing. Refresh your phone again. We're going to try. We uh, want- Mike Nugent has been released by the uh, New England Patriots. Okay, so we had an official transaction. Yay. The okay, NFL. all right. Where's what? I was all hyped. I'm expecting. I'm like, we're looking at what we're going to talk about on the Sportzilla show today. I'm like, that final segment, we'll be ready. We'll just be waiting, hanging out, looking forward to some trades. We can discuss those. Breaking news to everybody. 
Not happening. Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. See you tomorrow at 3.